Bokasham and Shalom again from the Reb Ya'ar bin Emmet Torah Watchman Show Podcast Edition. I hope everyone is, is doing as well as you can in the sinking world economic crisis that we're in. But how do we get there? How do we get to where we're at today when we're talking about world global recession looms in Europe? How do we get there? Well, Rebbe Arbenimit will give you a clue and have you report some facts and have you make your own conclusions, your own opinion. Your opinions are very important to me, more than mine. But I have to give you the factual truth first, right? Yes. The title of this podcast edition is The Looming Global Recession. Let's back up a few steps, okay? In the United States of America, the land I love, I'm an Orthodox Jew, a Hasidic Jew living in a Jewish Arab and enclave, a Jewish community in Silver Spring, Maryland, the United States. Yes, I did vote for President Donald J. Trump. I'm a Trumpy. You hear about make, make, uh, make America Great Again? Well, according to the Democrats in power, in government, in the United States, we are now fascist, racist, um, xenophobe, Islamophobe, whatever. You can think about it. Some people even refer to us as domestic terrorists. Okay? It is what it is. We are, have, we are sharply polarizing our country. How do we get there? Well, in, in, in the time of the four years of, of President Donald J. Trump, he was able to turn around our economy in miraculous ways. We look back in these days of austerity, right? We look back at that. Do you know the inflation rate in the United States was only 1.4%? When he left office by January 6, 2021, with so-called insurrection of uh, MAGA supporters, you know, invaded the public house, the Capitol. So now we have uh, a defined recession ongoing in the United States. I mean, that's two quarters of negative growth, okay? Okay. and then that, by theory and by standard protocol, that is considered a recession. It may be a weak recession. We may come out of it, but we'll find out more about uh, if we're in a true recession when the next quarter results come out in reporting, okay? If they're honest. But listen, the inflation now in America is 8.3%. It caused massive drops up to 4% or more in the Dow Jones Stock Exchange. We're talking about $1,300 of money evaporating from retirees' uh, accounts. They've lost profit on all their mutual funds and stocks and things like that. Some people have to work five years to make up the losses and pass away. How do we get here? How do we get to a place where we're paying at least a dollar, if not two dollars more for the price of gasoline per gallon of gas when you fill up at our pumps in the United States than we did in the Trump administration? Yeah, the price of gas has come down a little bit, okay? But why has it come down? Why has it come down? Simply because there's been uh, uh, rumors of mass layoffs around the horizon. Employers are actually not hiring as many people. And since the COVID pandemic scare, which is based on a series of lies perpetuated by the CDC, they essentially said they were wrong about almost everything. People are now have a new way of working. It's called telework. They're working at home. Most of Microsoft Corporation employees are working from home. 
and a lot of big businesses, um, you know, uh, IT industry and everything else. Um, if you, uh, if, if they, they think it's cost saving to save money when people are so comfortable uh, since the COVID pandemic, staying home, they're doing that. So uh, when the price of gas shot up to $5 a gallon, it's still $5 a gallon in parts of California and the blue states. They said a cost benefit analysis, it costs more. It costs more for me to drive to work than to earn income from a say, minimum wage job like McDonald's, Subway, Burger King, Wendy's, whatever, Arby's or whatever. So that's where we're at. But how do we get here? Okay, we know we know that we we are in a, in a very weakened economy. It's sick. It's unhealthy. When economy is unhealthy, it gives you birth pains. Okay. In other words, you're not making any money. What you're importing in for products and goods and services, it's much higher than what you're exporting. You only make profit on what you export. You're spending money, you're spending yourself in debt when you import more than you export. All the argument about trickle-down economics, all this was proven that the conservatives are right and the lefties, the communists, the socialists have taken control of our government in the United States are absolutely wrong. Talk to people coming from Venezuela that are now knocking on the fence of Vice President Harris in D.C. Ask them why they left Venezuela to come all the way through Mexico, human trafficking by the cartels, and come all the way be bused there to uh, Martha's Garden or whatever, in the elite area there in D.C. So that's going on. So you may blame, if you're a lefty, you're Democrat or indifferent, independent, whatever, you may be blaming Donald Trump still. Okay? It's been a little more than two years now since Biden has been president. Now, you, people voted, about half the country voted for, for, for Trump, half the people, maybe a little bit less, voted for, I'm sorry, a little bit more voted for Biden. These are consequences. Uh, people thought they were voting for a person that would not divide this nation, but would unify the nation, someone who would have nicer, more friendly uh, Twitter feeds, someone who would be easier on the NATO countries and not, and not make them pay their fair share which is their signing contract with NATO. And, you know, uh, shortly after World War II, that they would pay the fair share that Trump enforced that. Something I did not know, okay? We talked about February 24th of, of this year. The Russian Federation said, warned President Biden. I think he, they, they met together in early February or late January to avert war. Uh, Pentagon reported troop movements within Russian Federation along the border of Ukraine um, and, and late um, um, 2020. And even in the Trump administration, they saw that. The eastern region of Ukraine has been up for grabs, has been civil unrest there since at least 2010, if not before, if not going back to 1991, when magically uh, Boris Yeltsin and Russia said Ukraine your country and they've never ever had that much territory under one federalized government system before but all that land that was owned by Russia the Soviet Union going back is known as the new Russia going back to Catherine the Great and the Middle Ages whatever they gave all that land whole cloth to the uh, 
to the corrupt government of Ukraine. Well, you know, what happens is that when uh, a country changes power or a country loses their strength and they cannot have military enforcement over territorial boundaries, you had Soviet, um, Soviet uh, Ukrainians, people living in Ukraine, that were uh, members of the Soviet Union at one time, say in 1990, 1989, 1976 or whatever, they found themselves on the wrong line of the border. It, it did not stop ethnic Russians from being ethnic Russians by culture, language, tradition, everything else, just because Ukrainians were calling the shots in their government. There was a civil war that was ongoing in Ukraine before Russia ever invaded Ukraine's border. The argument on the table between Zelensky, the president of Ukraine today, Vladimir Putin, the president of the Russian Federation, and of course President Biden, our president, Poltus, they all met together to find ways and mechanisms to avoid war and conflict for Russia to withdraw its troops along the border. Because the Pentagon was saying Russian invasion is imminent. Ukraine government uh, said, no, it's not. We don't want to say that because we're going to lose, or lose money. Uh, it's not going to hurt our tourism industry. It's going to hurt our, our economy if you say Russian is invading the country because no one would want to go to Ukraine, right? Well, anyway, the central argument of Vladimir Putin before Biden and Zelensky was is a neutra- neutrality uh, declaration by the United States and President Zelensky in Ukraine. What that means is Ukraine has been forever wanting to join NATO. Okay? They want to join NATO. In other words, have the same guaranteed of U.S. protections militarily if, God forbid, a foreign nation tried to invade them or uh, the NATO, the, the sole agreement of NATO was formed during the Cold War period in the 1950s and 60s when we thought that, you know, um, the world could be destroyed by nuclear weapons between the Soviet Union and the United States. And they did not want the Soviet Union to invade Europe again and Poland and Lithuania and, and Germany, all these other countries again. So they had NATO alliance, military co- intercooperation and operability between all those different countries, all the different armies and air forces and things like that. So if Crane wanted to be part of NATO because they want to be formally recognized as a worthy country, right? Well, that never happened. The Obama administration, if he wanted to push for NATO membership for Ukraine, he would have done that. Uh, Ukraine numerously requested urgently of NATO, the NATO secretary, let us join NATO. And they said no. Eventually, federal funding from the U.S. dwindled down to nothing uh, in the last chapter of the Obama administration and the Trump administration. Why? Because the known black market in Ukraine, the government was known for its corruption, known for money laundering, known for criminal activity. They had numerous complaints against Ukraine before uh, Amnesty International, uh, human rights uh, abuses, racism, you name it, even anti-Semitism, you name it. Um, uh, People killed uh, because uh, they were in the wrong color of the face, black people against white people. The Azlov Army Battalion, which is the special forces of the armed forces in Ukraine who answer only to themselves, 
and Zelensky and his, his democratic-elected government, they have been known since the time of 1991 as the Bandarites. That goes back to, to 1940s, a step in Bandera. I don't want to give you too much history. But there was a threat of neo-Nazism even back in World War II in Ukraine. The Stefan Bandera, who was the head of Ukraine during a Slavic, uh, tribal, uh, disconnected, incoherent areas of Ukraine during that time, mainly, I would say, Western Ukraine, not so much Eastern Ukraine, during uh, 1942 or so, he wanted to work with Adolf Hitler to save his own Tukas, and he wanted a unified Ukraine with the Third Reich. It's true, it's history. This is not my opinion. The statues of Stefan Badera throughout Ukraine to this day, despite his criminal neo-Nazi attitude toward uh, inferior races. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about white people not liking people like themselves. I'm talking about Slavic Ukrainian people hating everyone other than Slavic Ukrainians. It actually was that situation. In 2010, in the time of the Obama administration, I heard stories that there had white only uh, um, uh, public uh, pools and black only and blacks were not allowed to go there. The same thing we, we had problems with in the United States of racism in the 1960s. Okay? So that was going on. And you remember in 1910, the big uprest in the Obama administration was, was over a coup and the democratically elected president who was leaning uh, toward Russian interests, and maybe he was corrupt and everything else, but the, the Ukrainians voted for him. Obama did not like this person because he was, they said he was a puppet of, U, of the Russian Federation. Whether that was true or not, the people were uprest in, in Kiev, in the capital, uh, Kiev, a capital in Ukraine. You had grandmothers out in the streets with Molotov cocktails. They were storming their so-called uh, parliament there. They were burning public buildings, a public unrest. They ran uh, the president out of the country, the Russian Federation. They were, this was a mob violence that the United States was involved in during that time because we were trying to choose winners and losers in a foreign country that had zero, zero national security interests for you and me in America. That was going on in 2010. When that happened, I'm, uh, this is in, very important information. Please stay with me. God bless you for listening to me. What happened during that time is that the president that had trust, trusted contracts and lease agreements over Krem, uh, Russia's naval fleet, it's only one water port they ever had trustworthy in Krem, who was ethnic Russian to, to the tune of 75 to 80 percent, they had lease. Uh, so Russia was literally forced to lease a port in in Crimea or Krim for their naval fleet uh, at the will and convenience of the Ukrainian government. So when when they lost their trustee for power in Ukraine and Ukraine got got someone else to replace him, I'm sorry I don't remember his name, they lost the lease contract. Can you imagine in Norfolk, Virginia, we have our uh, our um, fifth fleet or whatever, we have the naval headquarters there, it's huge. Can you imagine if we had a dispute with Cherokee uh, Nation? We took all their land away, by the way. And say we were paying uh, rent agreements with Cherokee Nation to use uh, Norfolk. 
And what if a new person came into power and a Cherokee Nation and did not like us very well? Then and kick us out. They would they would say you have to move all your ships. This is our port. This is exactly what happened, folks, and Krim. This led to more civil unrest in Ukraine. Okay, resentment. So Russian Federation actually invaded Krim during the Obama administration, and Obama allowed it to happen because he didn't want to interfere with that situation. Not not in America's national security interest. No, we weren't going to deploy troops there. So this happened. Now, in the areas, uh, uh, please forgive me for mispronouncing these cities, in the um, Dobosk area region there, and, and Lugansk, I believe, those, those two big regions there, the Azov Sea and the area there that was under the Azov Army's control in there, all these areas were separatist groups going back to at least 2010, if not before. There were heavy ethnic Russian nationals there, okay? They had dual citizenship, many of them, with the Russian Federation. So in other words, their schools were different, differentiated from Ukrainian schools. They had Russian textbooks, not Ukrainian language textbooks. They taught more Russian history um, than Ukrainian history or whatever. And, and, and the big story was they did not censor uh, fact from fiction. They just reported history. Well, even to this day, a teacher can be fired if it called teaching any kind of Russian language class and any kind of public school in Ukraine or teaching Russian history or anything else in the Russian tongue that can be fired. And this has been going on in Ukraine for quite some time. There was ethnic blood feuds between Slavic Ukrainians, primarily to the West, against Russian-speaking um, um, nationals, ethnic nationals, uh, uh, to the East. So you have divergent uh, cultures of nationals of people between the East and West, just like in Japan, in the war in Japan, Southern Japanese in Okinawa were a lot different than, than Japanese in Kanto Plains or in, uh, um, uh, up in Northern Japan, okay? It's just the way it is. This is the ethnic, diverse country of Ukraine with multiple problems going on with our government, the government is, was corrupt before we ever got involved. So what happened in, and as early as early, uh, sorry, February of this year, before the 24th invasion, did you know that the special forces, the armed forces, the elite Krim and the Krim in Ukraine, the Azov Battalion, who has been accused of neo-Nazi foreign terrorism by the Pentagon, they they categorized them as a foreign terrorist organization. But they had to be forced to remove that from their standard, their or list of foreign terrorist organizations that were a threat to our national security interests, that we did not want to fund them, we didn't trust them, okay? In favor of supporting them and give them the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars of surplus military hardware that came out of a war with, with uh, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. What happened immediately is the huge amount of sanctions the United States placed on Russia. We punished Russia for invading and protecting its ethnic interests, primarily in the eastern area of Ukraine. Okay, They wanted to build a land bridge between Krim and Russian Federation territory, okay? And uh, this is what the dispute was about. Again, the, the, the so-called 
bargaining uh, agreement between Zelensky and Putin and Biden fell apart over the neutrality argument. Zelensky demanded Russia remove all their troops from Krim, and he said, I want to be able to join NATO if I want to. And Biden says, okay, I agree with Zelensky. You're out of here, Putin. I don't agree with you. And that's when the war started. You know, uh, we have a world economy, okay? You can't just blame our oil shortages and oil problems in this nation just just on uh, decision-making in the United States. In a large part, it is, but we're part of a world economy. When you lose money in retirement, it's not just about U.S. stocks or savings bonds. It's about stocks, uh, part of co- companies that trade internationally, like in Hong Kong. But what happened is that in New York, believe it or not, the New York governor there, they hate fossil fuels. They stopped fracking. They stopped um, encouraging uh, drilling on public lands and private lands for, for, for uh, petroleum uh, research, um, uh, investigation of the ground and see if there's more oil, uh, fossil fuels, gas, or whatever. So they decided to import in cheap Russian crude in New York in New York, and that broke down, of course, when the sections uh, started. So, yes, we were importing petroleum, not only from OPEC, but uh, from the Russian Federation, too. And we were benefiting in America with cheaper oil. We had an oil surplus under President Trump because he wanted all the above reproach. And oil, you know, uh, green economy, solar panels, uh, uh, wind turbines and things of this nature, rechargeable batteries, electric cars. We also wanted to drill in Anwar province in Alaska. He wanted to drill, 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 baby, fracking and everything else. He wanted to do that offshore and in the land. He wanted to do that. But all that shut down too. 40% of our current inflation, 8.3%, is due to petroleum and fossil fuels. It impacted so many things. I did not know that the Russian Federation was so embedded in the U.S. economy. I mean, it, it, it's just unimaginable. You go to a store, you go wherever you buy hardware, wherever you buy food, sunflower oil, clothes or whatever, toys and things of this nature. Some of that was produced in the Russian Federation and was all part of the international trade mechanism we had in place. When all that shut down, it hurt our economy. Maybe 25%, maybe as much as 20 to 25% of our economy went down the drain when Russia invaded, when Russia invaded um, Ukraine. Not only that, but when we decided to put sanctions on Russia and block all their means of exporting products and services to the entire world, not just the United States. You heard about Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. This is an international pipeline that Germany and Europe was benefiting from before the Russian invasion February 24th of this year, uh, 2022. So all that shut down too. This is what led folks to the huge growth of inflation in our country plus uncontrolled Democrat spending to the tune of trillions of dollars. You add all this in, you have a very unhealthy economy near uh, uh, life support. And it's worse in Germany and Poland and France um, and Belgium and other countries in the UK too. UK is is having huge problems because it's so-called green energy mandates. Macron and France is mandating this. He said, I don't care if you freeze to death, you need to... 
The time of abundance is gone. We need to all sacrifice together to be able to save the planet from carbon-2 emissions predominantly produced by human beings. Okay? Everyone wants mandates. Carrie wants mandates for electric cars. Okay? Uh, by 2025 or so, we all 50% of all the production of cars will be electric cars whether you can afford them or not. And if we have a bad winter, and Farmer's Almanac has already predicted a very severe winter this year, and temperatures are already beginning to fall because it's close to autumn, autumn equinox, I think that's 21st, 22nd of this month, September. When you put all these things together, you have a huge crisis. When you don't have enough fuel, fossil fuel, um, petroleum fuel, refined fuel um, for your power grid, if you don't have enough gas, you know, natural gas, if you don't have coal, if you don't have even firewood, there's not enough firewood to go around for chimneys and old-fashioned ways of heating up your house, you have hunger, you have famine, then you have a product distribution issue already ongoing. So in other words, in conclusion, folks, if we did not involve ourselves militarily in Ukraine's civil war with Russian Federation, it is a civil war. They've been fighting for 400 years. I mean, look at the history books of this. It's been going on for, for uh, four centuries at least. If it's more contextual relevant for the Obama administration in 2010, whatever. But we chose to interfere ourselves and since we declare war against the Federal, Western Federation, the President of the United States has that constitutional right to make these decisions. And I respect POLTUS by title. But I'm saying uh, we may thought it was a good idea. We got involved in Syria. Remember Aleppo? When 500,000 uh, people what died, civilians died in that war in the Arab Spring that we got involved because we wanted to topple the Assad government. That didn't work out well, right? And the same things happened in Ukraine. We toppled the government in Ukraine and started a cascade domino effect that led to the current crisis we're dealing with now. And you know, they're still fighting. They still, we're still shipping hundreds of billions of weapons to Ukraine. We're fighting a proxy war with a nuclear superpower, with the danger of sparking World War III, and that's a very real danger. Now we have issues with Iran, saber rattling with Israel, with their nuclear weapons program that is very close to being realized any time now. You have all these things going on, a terrorist enclave, ISIS resurfacing, and uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, Al-Qaeda and all of this, since we abandoned Kabul and Afghanistan and gave it over to Turkey and China and Russia and the terrorists there. All these things are happening and spiraling out of control simply because the President of the United States said, you need to agree with this. Zelensky, you need to give up something. Putin, you need to give up something here. We need to agree. We don't want war. What is the basic uh, dispute over? He didn't want to listen to that. Why? Because he probably had political interests in Ukraine with his son, Hunter Biden. I don't want to go there. Not Jermaine. Okay. But there's a lot of things going on in Ukraine that was not the, public, the general public did not know about. Most of people uh, in the United States do support the Ukrainian. No one wants people to die in war. And it seems like this is the first war we've ever, ever fought. Young people don't remember World War II. They don't remember the uh, Korean War and the Vietnam War. They don't remember. They remember maybe 9-11. But we sympathize with civilians and widows and children that are in the middle of military combat. 
But it's happening, okay? It's happening. We cannot get involved in every civil dispute ongoing in, the, in this world. We allowed Yemen citizens, women and children, Christian minorities there, maybe some Jews there, to be murdered and butchered by taking the Houthi terrorist organization, which has been at war with Saudi Arabia for years, off the terrorist watch list to appease Iran because Iran was funding them and we want a cheap oil agreement with Iran. Look the other direction with a nuclear weapons program that sworn the destruction of, of Israel. And that's ongoing too with that. But, you know, we have triggers with catalysts that start a fire. It only takes one spark to, to start an entire wildfire in California. Talk to the arsonist there. So what can we learn from this, okay? What would have happened if we never got involved, if we never send military uh, hardware and equipment and everything else to Ukraine, never got involved in that war, it would have ended very quickly. Zelensky would have been forced to concede certain land and territory to the Russian Federation. So we allowed our systemic and hatred for not just uh, Putin, and I don't agree with Putin what he'd done, but the entire uh, seven time zones of Russian people overt hatred against them because of hatred building up in the Cold War and because other political dynamics going on between Ukraine and the Biden family and the Obama family that I don't know about, I can't report honestly, we allowed that to be more important than our own economy, than our own ability to even put baby formula on our shelves. 60% shortage in baby formula in America when we supposedly make baby formula. Now we're asking other countries to ship us baby formula. Listen, you get what you vote for. I didn't vote for Joe Biden. I knew that he had issues mentally and everything else. I did not agree with the Democratic Party platform in America. That's the beauty of our democracy. We have the freedom of right, of, of religion and religious expression. We can vote in our fair election system. But you know, Trump warned if you did, if you vote for this guy, this will happen. He talked about the, uh, the Hunter laptop issue, okay? The FBI sitting on that story for 17 months. He warned about this, and all the social news networks shut him out, blocked Trump on YouTube, blocked him on Facebook, blocked him everywhere, blocked all conservative opinion, on the, even debating the, the, uh, the uh, ground zero root cause of COVID manufactured in the bioweapons lab in Wuhan that the NIH and CDC funded with Dr. Falsi, all of this was blocked from the American people to make a fair decision on who was the best president of the United States during his term in office. And now we have a global recession looming above us. It's going to be a little bit too late when all the nuclear power plants were shut down in Europe, when all the coal power plants are shut down in Europe, when they stop producing foreign fuel and they're manufacturing more electric cars than gas-powered cars, and they're decommissioning <coughs> um, um, uh, uh, traditional Shell and Exxon, Sitco, um, um, you know, fueling stations and making them electric power stations, you know, your power grid is powered by coal-fired plants. When they shut down all these fossil fuel things that took years and decades of third party contracts and agreements of other nations, they shut it down. What are they going to do when there's ice and snow on the ground and no one has enough energy to heat their home for their children this year? This is what we're going to deal with, folks. God bless you. Listen, I'm a lighthouse on a hill. I will not stop speaking the truth. 
I have a big megaphone here. Share the wealth of knowledge and love and truth for everyone who would be willing to hear it. Let them know that this information is widely available, what I just reported in this podcast. I want to enlighten you. I want you to stop and think in a different trajectory, a different branch of decision making that maybe will take you to a more positive path of success than failure. Status quo never really leads to anything better fast. We need to dramatically change the way that we're making decisions in America. And it begins with electing the correct people in our school boards, in our local schools, mayors, governors, and senators and representatives, and yes, the next president of the United States. It's consequences, folks, consequences. And when, uh, when information is blocked from the American people to make good decisions, you make wrong decisions. That's exactly what happened in this last election cycle. So again, in conclusion, the reason why we're talking about a global recession today is because Biden walked away from the debate between Putin and Zelensky over what to do with Ukraine to avert war. And then we sent hundreds of billions of dollars to an, a corrupt government we knew was corrupt to arm their military in a proxy war with a nuclear superpower. Does that make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to this veteran, this combat veteran. God bless you. Shalom Aleichem. Check out my videos on YouTube, Word and Board. Send me an email to yarabinemmet at gmail.com. Signing out. God bless you. God love you.